0: Very first week we talked about kind of how we spend our time and there are 168 golf balls And we spread them out over a period of time. So every american gets that 168 hours In a week And so we talked about the averages and how we spend our time Then we allowed you to go home and track your time and I hope you did that Because we need to understand that we have the ability to prioritize and reprioritize right where we can look at our lives And we can say, you know, this is really good and maybe this part needs to change a little bit doesn't mean we have to add or specifically do more. It just means we simply need to adjust some things. And so we have that ability, which is awesome, as people, as humans, to be able to adjust. We can be going one direction and say, you know what, this isn't the right direction, and we can make a turn, can't we? We don't have to continue on uh, that path. We can make that adjustment. The very first week, I came back and shared that uh, the two things that really needed adjusted for me is I spent too much time in entertainment And we spent too little of time sleeping. I spent too little of time sleeping. And we didn't spend a whole lot of time as a family together, the seven of us. We did a lot of family time, but it would be like three or four of us and not the seven of us together. And so it's something that we wanted to adjust. And I hope that you guys gathered that as well. Then week two, we talked about spending our time. We talked about our devotion and prayer and spiritual growth time. Because if you remember, the average American spends less than an hour a week Talking about their spiritual growth and development or dealing with that less than an hour a week And so we wanted to make that adjustment in our lives because we realized we got to reprioritize this Because if we are physically and spiritually and mentally unhealthy church that's not good for us Is it and so we want to take time to take care of our physical selves, which was the sleep and 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 exercise and food We also want to take care of our spiritual selves and how we do that We talked about that week is really three different areas The first one is reading the scripture and journaling, writing things down, what God is sharing with you. And we talked about that in week one. Last week, um, Morvan talked on prayer and fasting and how that influences and builds up our spirit man. And this week, well, this is gonna be fun. We're talking about praise and worship. Praise and worship should be a vital part of a Christian's life because it's a big part of our spiritual growth and development. And so we wanna implement it in our lives. We wanna make that a big clear part. And so we're going to dive into that as we get into uh, some scripture. Father, we're thankful for our time together. Lord, I ask that your word would pierce our hearts and change our lives. Lord, we don't want to adjust ourselves or adjust the truth to ourselves, but we want to adjust ourselves to the truth today. So as we come in contact with your scripture, Lord, help it to move us. Help us to recognize, acknowledge it, and, and move the direction that you have for us. Lead us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a song released in 1998 called Heart of Worship. How many people remember this song? Does anybody? I've got quite a few. Heart of Worship, released by Matt Redman in 1998. Now, I was a senior in high school when this came out, and I was at a conference uh, that Matt Redman was at, and I don't remember what it was, Choir of the Fire or one of those things. And he talked about the meaning behind this song, and it really, really uh, spoke to me as well. And so... What I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about this song a little bit because I believe that the same issues that they were dealing with then kind of are the same issues that we're dealing with now when it comes to our praise and worship life. So I just want you guys, so you know this song, we're going to play a a small part of it, just the verse and the chorus, so you can kind of see it, and then I want to talk about it specifically. So go ahead, Ezra.
1: When the music fades All is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For the thing I've made it, when well, it's all about you, it's all about
0: you, Jesus. All right, that's the song, and it's a powerful worship song. It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Now, one of the reasons that they did this song, and the reason he wrote this song, was at that time, the pastor said that they had kind of limited their worship life. And I believe that we have done that today. I see two major problems in in our praise and worship life as Christians. Problem number one is that it's limited to the first 20 minutes of church services. That that's what we call praise and worship. And we don't really take it outside of that when I think we will see in the scripture that worship and praise is much, much, much more than that. And the second thing that I see is that we have limited our view of God And if we really understood who God is, our worship life would be expanded incredibly. So what has affected our praise and worship in a negative way in our culture is our idea of praise and worship and kind of our idea of who God is. And if those two things could shift, I think praise and worship would be an incredible part of our lives. So this pastor saw that and said, all right, this is what I want to do. I'm going to eliminate uh, the praise and worship part of our services. And we're going to spend 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes of service really in silence with you doing what you need to do. And so Matt Redman was like, I'm a worship leader, and when the pastor says we're no longer having worship, he's like, did I just lose my job? Did I, just, I mean, am I out? What's going to happen, you know, with my career? And, and he said, but through this, he experienced worship and praise in a deeper way than he ever had before, and there wasn't a single song lyric played, not one. He said, for a month, It felt like it was real worship. And so he wrote this song out of that, and there's a specific couple of lines that I want us to pay attention to because I believe that what he has done in the song is given us a really good definition of praise and worship. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. There's one particular sentence in there that just is awesome. Longing to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. If I were to, if somebody were to ask me, what is praise and worship? Bringing something that's of worth that blesses God's heart would be the definition that I would give. Bringing something that's of worth that will bless God's heart. That's the definition of praise and worship. We're going to look at five different times in the scripture that I believe were incredible acts of praise and worship, where somebody brought something that was of worth that blessed God's heart. And only one of those has song in it at all, only one of them does. And, and I wanted to leave that one in there because I think it's important because, guys, I don't want us to get rid of this because I think us singing songs and spiritual hymns unto the Lord is not only scriptural, but it is powerful. It's powerful. And I want us to, to shout from the rooftops. I want us to sing out loud. I want us to make a joyful noise, an incredible joyful noise. And I'm glad the scripture calls it a joyful noise because some of us can't give more than a joyful noise, Right? I mean, we just don't have, I mean, I don't got the tone. I ain't got it. So a joyful noise is what you're getting, Lord, but it's gonna be a joyful noise. So I don't want us to limit that because I think it's important. I don't want us to push that out, but I also want us to think beyond that when it comes to praise and worship. I want us to see that in Scripture there were these incredible acts of worship that happened and not a single song was sung. And let's not, limit our worship to that. Let's understand that it's bringing something that's of worth that blesses God's heart. Acts 16, Paul and Silas. We're going to start right here. Paul and Silas are walking through the city streets. There is a woman behind them that is driving them nuts. They turn around and they cast the devil out of her. The owners of the servant girl decide that she can no longer make them money. So they have Paul and Silas thrown into prison, beaten And thrown into prison and they are in the innermost prison and they have their feet in the socks I I, I tried to look up what this looked like at one point the innermost prison was about this high so to get in there you basically had to crawl and crunch down and their feet were in stocks where it was this giant log with their feet between both of them between these two logs almost like railroad ties that were come together with little holes in them that their feet their legs were in so that they couldn't move basically as uncomfortable of of a position as you could be in, that's kind of what they were in overnight. So they were beaten, they were in an uncomfortable position, they couldn't move, but what did they have at that point that was of worth that would bless God's heart? They had their voices, didn't they? And they couldn't stop them. I mean, you you can cut somebody's tongue out, I guess, that's rather morbid, but they couldn't stop them at this point. So they had what they had, what they could use, and they did it to bless God's heart. So let's read this right here as we read verse 24. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So, this wasn't a whisper, right? Oftentimes we are praising God and it's No, this wasn't a whisper because the other prisoners could hear them. So they were praying and they were singing and they were doing it out loud, which I think is what they had to offer at the time. The other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, please. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose how many people love that song that we just sang you know I hear the chains fall and the chains are coming off that's exciting did you know that there is action that follows praise and worship a lot of times it might just change us but there is almost 100% of the time change that occurs when we praise and worship God and this one is massive they were in chains and the chains were gone this is huge but what did they have to offer that's my question They didn't have something to give. They couldn't move. What did they have that was of worth? They had their voices. And they were going to lift them up to the Lord. And it blessed God's heart. Let's move on to Mark 12. You guys can write these down because we're not going to flip and read. Some of these stories are really long. And I just want to share parts of them with you. But Mark 12 41 through 44. This is, this is the widow's might. This is where the widow, uh, Jesus, is sitting there and explains it in the scripture. We'll just read it. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched, and watched the crowd putting their money into the, temporary, into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. 42. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, Worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. Verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Listen, when you give and, and Jesus recognizes it, You gave something that was of worth, and it blessed his heart. And I think this is huge. This woman was recognized and talked about by Jesus to his disciples, and all she gave was two small copper coins. And we say all because we judge based on amount, but God judges based on heart. Isn't that true? We know that. We judge based on amount. Whoa, this person gave this amount. God judges based on heart. Listen, you might not have the amounts that the person sitting next to you has, but you have the heart that, Lord, you can have it all, just like this woman. And that is something that's of worth that will bless God's heart. When you limit it based on amount, that's terrible. But when you say, Lord, you have my heart, which is basically what this woman had to offer, I will give whatever I have. I know I don't have much, but it is yours That is something that is of worth that blessed God's heart. Not a single lyric was sung there, but Jesus' eyes were opened and he shared with his disciples what a powerful act that woman did, an act of praise and of worship. Old Testament, Abraham sacrifices his son Isaac. And he doesn't actually sacrifice his son Isaac, but Jesus or the Lord asks him to sacrifice his son Isaac and he decides to do it. Now, I think this is powerful right here because as, as if you know Abraham's story, he and Sarah had been praying for years, years for them to have a son. And they didn't believe that it was even possible. In fact, when, when God shows up and shares with them that they're going to have a son, Sarah laughed because she was like, that's, that's not happening. It's not going to happen. But they did. Isaac was born. And, and I have been uh, with people who have experienced infertility in ways and when they either have a kid or are able to adopt a kid, there is just joy that is overflowing that you, you, you experience with them because it's, just, it's pouring out of them. It's pouring out of them. I couldn't imagine the joy that Abraham experienced in his old age when Isaac was born. Somebody that's going to inherit that, that the Lord had promised was going to build a mighty nation through. And now all of a sudden God says, I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him to me. That would break your heart. But Abraham decided he was going to do it. And when he gets up on the mountain, of course, the Lord stops him, says, no, 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 you don't have to do this. But basically, you pass the test. I wanted to see if you loved me more than your son, and clearly you do. And so then, he supplies a ram, they sacrifice the ram, and they go home. What an incredible act of worship where once again, A guy gives up something that's of worth that blesses God's heart. And he didn't even actually have to give it up. But it was all about the heart behind it. I want to talk about Jesus in Luke 22, 41 through 43. Jesus goes and he's getting ready to sacrifice his life. And he's going to pray. And he looks up to the heavens and he says, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, let it, but not my will, your will be done. What was of worth here? Jesus gave up his will. And it blessed God's heart. Afterwards it said that an angel came down and ministered to him and gave him strength. That's what it says. You see, something amazing happened when he was willing to give up his will. Something that's of worth to bless God's heart. I look at this and I think it's just absolutely amazing. That, that what, what God sees in us is not necessarily the vocals or the songs But it's this heart that I have something that's of worth and I want to bless you with it, Lord. I want to bless you with it. What an incredible act of praise and worship. Last one here and this one I want to read together because I think it kind of goes in to both sections here. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to Luke 7 with me. starting in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began "'She began to wet his feet with her tears. "'Then she wiped them with her hair, "'kissed them, and poured perfume on them. "'When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, "'he said to him, "'If this man were a prophet, "'he would know who is touching him "'and what kind of woman she is, "'that she is a sinner. "'Jesus answered him, "'Simon, I have something to tell you. "'Tell me, teacher,' he said. "'Two people owed money to a certain moneylender.' One owed only five. Let me find it again. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, "Your sins are forgiven." I think this is a powerful section of scripture because in it we can really identify with two different characters, can't we? The first one is the woman. She she's just. I mean, she's bringing what she has. She has an alabaster glass. There's another section of scripture where the disciples talk about this a little bit where, where a woman pours perfume on Jesus and they say, what a waste. That was expensive perfume. We could have sold it and fed the poor. And Jesus stops him and says, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, anything that's of worth that is brought to bless my heart, don't take it away from me. I mean, those, that's Andy's paraphrase, but that's it. You know, that's what it is. And, and in this section, we can see this, where our hearts look at it and we're like, what's going on here? You know, why would this happen? If he, if he knew who this was, and I think Jesus looks at this man and says, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't be talking about the woman. You would be kissing my face and pouring oil over my head and those types of things. But we can forget, can't we? We can, we can look at other sins and we can forget where we came from, that all of us are sinners saved by grace and that this big, awesome, amazing, holy God sent his son Jesus For sinful creatures like us we get to the place where we think the world revolves around us that this is my life that this is all about me and it's really none about you and it's really none about me and it is all about him and if we look back at that song that we started with it's all about you it's all about you jesus there are four times in scripture we're going to take communion At this time to remember kind of what the Lord has done for all of us. And so these guys are going to pass us out while I continue uh, sharing. Just grab a a wafer and a cup and I will give you uh, instructions here uh, in a minute as they pass it out. But there are basically four times in scripture where God really speaks directly to individuals. At least ones that I know of that I can think of off the top of my head. And it's so interesting how when God speaks and shares with people that they just are completely almost lost. You know, in the New Testament, when the the disciples, uh, three of them are with Jesus, and he is transfigured, and God's voice comes through like thunder and says, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. They fall on their faces, terrified. Elijah, who comes in contact with the still, small voice of God, cries afterwards and moves on. Moses, who says, Lord, show me your glory, and the Lord says, you can't handle my glory. Like basically, I will, I will pass by and I will cover your face and when I pass by, I will let it go and you can see my backside and that is it. And after he does that, he comes down and, and he wasn't even recognizable because his face was radiant after coming in contact with God. And then there's another one with, with Job and I love this and this is, this is something that I really want us to pay attention to as we're getting ready to... Uh, uh, take communion here in Job Job kind of gets this idea I mean that he went through a lot there was a lot that he went through and it's and it's really intense but he starts to kind of question um, God a little bit and God challenges him on this and I think it's super valuable for us to go through and read this together because it puts in perspective how awesome and amazing our God really is but the Lord speaks in Job chapter 38. And I'm not going to read all of this. It's 38, 39, 40, par 41, and then 42 I'm going to read where Job actually responds. But the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and he says this. And this is, this is just sound sarcastic and, and I am sarcastic at times. So this really hits with me. He says, who is this? that obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors? Then it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come, and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? It might take the earth by the edges, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under the seal. It goes on and on and on, and it talks about just I mean, God and the amazing things he does. And guys, you know, faith comes from hearing the word of God. When you start hearing and listening and paying attention to how big and powerful God is, man, our faith increases and grows. And after this, Job answers and responds, 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge surely i spoke of things i did not understand things too wonderful for me to know you said listen now and i will speak i will question you and you shall answer me my ears have heard my ears have heard you but now my eyes have seen you therefore i despise myself and repent in dust and ashes see when we come in contact with the holy god we become insignificant. The, 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 the scripture says that we are but a vapor because he is so big, so powerful, so important. And if we could really grasp who he is, man, that would take our praise and worship life to whole new levels. So my question to you is, what do you have that's of worth that you can use to bless God's heart? Because that is praise and worship. Now the Bible tells us in Corinthians that Jesus took the cup and the bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and told his disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat in remembrance of me. He said of the cup, this is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink and remember me. And I want us to at this time, as Devin leads us in a worship song, to just do that on your own. Just take time to remember who God is and what he's done. And after you do that, maybe say a little prayer up to him that says, Lord, whatever I have that's of worth, I want to use it to bless your heart.
2: hands in praise I will believe I'll remind myself
3: Uh, let's stand together let's take a moment to worship our Jesus exodus 14 we see this moment in scripture where the israelites are running from the egyptians they're they're running from their slavery and you guys probably have heard a story where the red sea splits and the israelites run through it and after they run through it then the egyptians are chasing at them and the sea crashes in and the israelites are victorious but they're not victorious because of anything they've done was simply because of what God had done. The God had split the sea so they could walk right through it. And their way of let's celebrate is let's sing a song to God. Our God who is victorious, our God who helped us walk through this. And this is a song they decided to sing in in Exodus 15, first song we see in scripture. It says, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. They're like, my God brought victory for me. There is victory for everybody in this room because of what Jesus did. Jesus paid a price for you. Just like, just like God split the sea. Jesus paid a price for you so that you could walk through your storms in your life and understand that hope is on the other end because Jesus paid a price with his life. So for me and for all of us in this room, we have nothing else but to lift our hands and worship and say, God, you are worthy of it all because you paid your all. You gave your best in Jesus. You know, he didn't give like his second best. Jesus says he gave his, our God says he gave his one and only son because he loves you. He didn't give like that. He didn't give just a little bit. He gave it all. He paid a high price for you. And he's worthy of it all. And like the Israelites, I want to be a person who, in my victories, I sing. And in my, but not just in my victories, because I want to sing through my storms, because God is still working through the storms. As we know, if we're not dead, God's not done, and He's still working. And we know that even if on this earth we're going to have trials and tribulations, my hope isn't in this, my hope is when I get to heaven. That's my hope, so I can't wait until I get there. Because if on this earth I face trials, that's okay because it doesn't, all of it is going to be worth it when I'm standing in front of Jesus and standing before God in those pearly gates. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant, come in. So I want to encourage you today, whether you're winning or you're losing, praise God today because he's worthy of it. Praise Him today, praise Him tomorrow, praise Him every day because He is worthy of our praise. Amen? He is worthy, worthy of it all. There's great ways for you to obviously take time this week. We want to encourage you. In your bulletin, there's a thankfulness tracker. We would love for you to take a moment this week to write down the things that you are thankful for. Think about those things. Think about maybe being thankful for your health, being thankful for your family, being thankful that you got salvation, that Jesus loves you. So many things to be thankful for, right? the list isn't short it's long so we have so much to be thankful for and maybe if you've had a a bad week great great opportunity for you to focus on the good things that god is doing you can be thankful you're just breathing right anybody thankful they're just breathing today come on also, if you want to listen to some worship music, you can get on Spotify. Follow the, the, um, the adult team here. They have a spot, We have a Spotify playlist. It's just all the songs. Just go to Family Christian Center, worship, type it in the search. You'll be able to find that playlist, and it's all the songs they do up here. Play those songs in your car. Play them in your house before you, while you're getting your kids ready for school, while you're getting yourself ready for work. Play these songs all the time. Fill your life with worship. We don't want to just live a life of worship on Sunday mornings. We want to live a life of worship 24-7. I understand it's not just song. You know, but song is a great way. That's how the Israelites were like, we're going to celebrate this moment, we're going to sing a song. So it's a great opportunity for us as well to learn from them and, and grow, our sing songs to Jesus. Because sometimes we don't know what words to say, but a song can do a great job. And so uh, I just encourage you guys this week to spend some time in worship. He's worthy of it all. Let's bow our heads. If you're in this room this morning and you have maybe never experienced the victory that comes through Jesus by surrendering your life to him if you're going through hard times and you realize you need to surrender your life to Jesus today we want to give you that opportunity We're saying a prayer along with me but first what I'd like to do if you have never accepted Jesus into your life and you say Sean I would like to do that I would like you just to lift your hand so I could see it and anybody in the room who's never given their life to Jesus to say, "Sean, today I want to I want to surrender my life to Him." See any hands? Now, is there anybody in the room who says, "Sean, I, I've prayed prayers before. I felt like at one time I had victory, but I have strayed away from Jesus, and I just I need to rededicate my life to Him." If that's you, would you raise your hand if you need to rededicate your life to Jesus? Let's see a few hands here. Anybody else? Would the church, would you guys say this prayer with me? You guys raise your hand. I want you to mean this with your heart. Understand this is is something between you and God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but this is just the starting place to your relationship with Jesus. Church, would you say this prayer with me? Say, Father, I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. From this day forward, I will follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate for those few people. Come on. I feel like maybe we should write a song right now, Devin. Maybe we should write a song right now about, like, God being our salvation. No. <laughs> um, man, God is good. Turn to somebody and say, God is good. Can I pray for you before we go, church? God, I thank you so much. For everybody in this room we praise you, we thank you you are good, you are worthy of all of our praise and God I pray that it wouldn't just be something that we say on Sundays but it'd be something we do on Mondays Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday every day of the week God we would wake up with the attitude saying God you are worthy of our praise we praise you for this day God be with us help us to be a light into the world this week we love you in Jesus name Amen. You guys have a great Sunday we will see you next week